0: Welcome back to the Progress Bar Podcast, episode 32, where we're going to be talking about the PS4 Pro, all things VR, and PAX Australia. Thanks for listening, I'm your host Koshi, I'm the editor here at Progress Bar. Tonight I am joined by my partner in crime for this whole shindig, Brendan, how are you going?
1: Hey, I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's good to be back on the podcast, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's been a little bit of a while. I
1: mean, it's we, been, scheduling it's been and while. sickness and... Yeah, it's been... Yeah, since April. It's been a little while. It's but, April. Yeah, oh, jeez. I know. Yeah, it's, been, it's good to be back. It's good to be back.
0: I mean, I really hope anyone who is listening to this hasn't been holding their breath because they're really dead by this point.
1: Yeah, I commend you on... I commend anyone listening to this on their breath-holding skills <laughs> you, you guys are awesome. We we love you so much. Yep.
0: If you've survived, good on you. Yeah. Um uh, you, yeah.
1: you don't take responsibility for your actions. So yeah. yeah.
0: Please direct all inquiries to lawyers at progressbar dot com dot Yep,
1: yep, <laughs> and you'll find that will um that will lead to um nowhere. Yeah. Yep. Easy. Yep.
0: So as we've already been through, we're gonna be talking a few topics. This week, we've just recently come back from PAX Australia, that whole uh, conglomerate of games and board games and panels and drinking, <laughs> so much drinking. So
1: many drinks, good fun times. Fun times. But yeah. we've, we've
0: recovered now and we thought, yeah. oh, we'll get back into it, we'll uh, produce some, some content. Um, but the biggest thing, I guess, has been, happened this week is the the PS4's been released. Have you got one yet?
1: No, no, I originally, I wasn't sold on the whole 4K thing where, you know, 4K gaming, I always felt like, okay, it's still too new for it. Yeah. And then on the day of launch, I noticed a few, you know, friends of mine who ended up buying one and they were saying good things. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll have a look into this more, just see what, what's going on. And I honestly felt like I've, you know, dropped the ball on this one. Like, I felt like I've really missed out on something because, it's not just the 4k but they're also the the ps4 pro also supports a thing called hdr now which that stands for high dynamic range uh, the simple way of putting it it makes your colors look good like the, the colors in your games and that they're, they're much more vibrant um, oh okay yeah yeah it's i've, I've seen a setup where they um, demonstrated uh, i think it was infamous first light um, using 4k and hdr as opposed to a 1080p normal and there is a world of difference in my view like it does actually it is noticeable um see that that's the great thing about the ps4 pro the downside to that and this is the thing that they don't really you know show but for that to take advantage of the ps4 pro it's a very costly setup i mean it's oh, yeah. P yeah ps4 pro it costs i think what 550 dollars but you're going to need a pretty top-notch TV to do this. So now, any of the four K, t- any of the top-of-the-line four K TVs, I should say, nowadays they all, most of them, support HDR, and you need a HDR TV to be able to, yeah, obviously. Okay, so it needs PS- to be a
0: four K yep. HDR TV. Yep. To be compatible with the HDR-enabled PS4 Pro. To take advantage to work. <laughs> Yeah,
1: pretty much to use the PS four pro fully. Yeah, that's essentially what you need. So you're but, looking at about what, like three grand? Yeah, I did some sums, like to just get an idea if you want a really decent T V this is you're looking at probably like maybe a sixty five inch T V along with a PS four pro, you're looking at between three to four thousand dollars for one. Oh, that's, that's that's a lot. And on top of that, Sony are also spooking their playstation vr to be part of their new you know like revolution in gaming whatever that is i just noticed that they're advertising the ps4 pro hdr 4k gaming and the playstation vr you add that into the lot and you're looking at at least four grand yeah around that mark to get but, you know, but like pc gaming
0: is so expensive right
1: <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it's totally, way too yeah.
0: expensive you oh. like buy all the individual parts oh wait hang on 4k sorry
1: Oh wait, yeah. Mm. PC, yeah. Master Race, PC Master PC Master <laughs> hey, Hashtag PC Master Race. Yeah. Yo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean like the, the PS four pro, does it like do you know if it kind of gives that performance upgrade that that they're looking for? Are they going to like console manufacturers, are they going to actually go into this like year by year life cycle?
1: I sure as shit hope not. Um so with what I understand with um with both uh, Sony and Microsoft is that this year, well, Sony have got the, the I guess, the jump start with regards to 4K gaming. Mm. But Microsoft are going to bring, or Xbox, I should say, Xbox are going to bring out the Xbox One Project Scorpio next year, which is said to also do the 4K HDR and that. And I feel that in the next year, within, from now until next year, we're going to see 4K gaming starting to become a thing. Um, right now, I, I still feel it is quite new yeah, but I reckon yeah. With from this point on until next year, given that Sony have you know kicks kick it off with mm-hmm. the PS4 Pro, I feel that 4K gaming is almost around the corner.
0: Now, I don't like sometimes I like playing devil's advocate with this because a lot of people are like, "This is a gimmick. This is something that's not really necessary." I mean, personally, I like to have better FPS for my games. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't yep. play 30 FPS games. I've got a 120 hertz monitor. I I'd, I'd rather the games play in a lower resolution if I can get that frame rate and that smoothness of quality. Absolutely. I'm not sure. Yeah. So like yeah. pushing 4K, like that's great. Like they they're going to be able to do that. But if they're playing like Battlefield and it's in 4K but it's at 30 FPS, like I that's, I wouldn't yeah. be I wouldn't consider that playable.
1: That's the thing that I wasn't sold on with the whole 4K thing that yeah, yeah it's great that you've got the sharp resolution but in exchange for a lower frame rate, that's not great for me. That's noticeable. and it, I can tell the difference between 30 frames and 60 frames. It's, yeah, it's not fantastic. Um, I, If I understand correctly, the PS4 Pro does up the frame rate of um, like any current games that are currently playing like in 1080p. So, oh, okay. so for those who don't want to get a, a 4K HDR TV or they decide they don't want to use the 4k capabilities i think it does up the frame rate to play it on standard 1080p right it like the the graphics they do scale depending on the performance of like what what performance capabilities are available in the ps4 pro like the game will just take advantage of what it can Mm. Okay, just so it's more more yeah.
0: adaptable, I guess. So that I guess it's good that it makes it all backwards compatible, and and you can still play PS4 games on PS4 Pro, and it just looks nicer, I guess. So if you didn't have a PS4, you might be more inclined to buy a PS4 Pro for like the extra two hundred dollars if it's worth it for you.
1: Essentially, yeah. With I I don't understand why Sony have made a slim PS4 um, for someone who's new to getting a PS4 you may as well just get the PS4 Pro. It is worth the money just to get that little bit more, to have more capabilities, regardless of whether you you use it to its full extent or not. The PS4 Pro, you will see some sort of benefit over a standard, like, original PS4 or the PS4 Slim. You will notice something out of it, like whether it be just, you know, having better frame rates or if you do have a 4K HDR TV, whether you're going to have sharp, vibrant, you know, graphics. Um, it's, yeah, uh, to me, I, I, I feel that the, the PS4 Pro is, um, like, is the leading product that Sony have at the moment. Um, that said, I still feel it's, yeah, it is very new. And if you want to take uh, advantage of the capabilities or the full capabilities of the PS4 Pro, it is a very costly setup to um, put that together.
0: Well, I mean, even, I guess, leading into uh, our, our next discussion, like they're going to be setting up things and the hardware, I guess, to support things like VR. Like they've got their PlayStation VR headset around the corner as well. Like it's you know going, to, it's it's out. It's people can use it. You know, what do you think about them moving and possibly into that avenue as well?
1: Well, the PS4 Pro does take, um, I guess, a bit more advantage with the PSVR. Um, I what I've noticed or read so far from people who i have started to use the PlayStation VR on the new PS4 Pro is that the the graphics are just a little bit sharper It's um, from what I understand the PS4 Pro can process a few extra things that ultimately makes the like the out the scene like image that you see in the PSVR to be that just that little bit sharper um, I did see a few comparison photos where there was like in-game text where it was a little bit blurry on the PS4 but with the PS4 Pro it was you know a bit more legible, right? Um, okay. So I guess that's where, um, sorry, where Sony is um, there, where they're trying to spruik that you know the PS4 Pro is the ideal console for the PlayStation VR. Yeah, again, it goes back to the whole you know costly setup sort of thing. I yeah, mean, like that's a whole another monitor that
0: you've got to buy basically. Like you're already paying for a 4K TV, and you're then looking you, at yeah, yeah, and then you pay a five. Was it uh, VR is like five hundred bucks, isn't it? As five.
1: Well? Five fifty as well. Yeah, the, so you pay eleven yeah.
0: $1, hundred dollars for that, like full setup before you even buy a TV. And
1: then you have to add in all the games, mm, that yeah. you, you know, that the PSVR will take, you know, control or take, you know, advantage of. And you know, just having a quick browse at JB Hi-Fi last or oh, yesterday, um, yeah, it. I found the games were at an average of about seventy dollars. So yeah. yeah,
0: it it adds up. It gets yeah, it gets to be a bit expensive. But I kind of it, it's this type of emerging tech. That's coming out. Like I think it's still in its infancy. We've got things like the big, obviously the big ones everyone's heard of. You know, PSVR. You've got Oculus, which been kind of quiet recently.
1: It has been. Like you've um, got
0: HTC Vive. Like so many options.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing from a consumer perspective that I'm just trying to look through. That yeah, you know, there's there is a lot of choice now when it comes to. Um, which VR headset you want like how you've got the PlayStation VR if you do have a PS4 um, you've got the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive if if you're playing on your PC as well as with the OS VR that Razer um, are advertising Um, from, from a consumer's perspective how would I know which one would be the standout? I mean the one that's cost
0: the most right
1: (laughs) yeah yeah sure if if you can you know afford it and all but i mean what what's the difference between a htc vive and an oculus rift for me like that's just looking at that like what why should i choose one over the other that's where i'm stuck with because then they're not cheap as well like again this is also a Fairly expensive, like with the HTC Vive, that's going to cost fourteen hundred dollars in Australia. Yeah. Uh, it, the Oculus Rift, I think that's somewhere over a thousand as well. I don't think it's as, as much as the HTC Vive. No. Um, no. PlayStation VR, yeah, as we said, five fifty. Um, it provided that you already have a PS Four and OSVR. Um, I honestly have no idea what's going on with that. So. Yeah, that's
0: kind of still not necessarily in the dev phase, but it's definitely in the beta kind of phase where they're yeah. we're just tweaking it and and slowly releasing it out.
1: It's still quite new at the moment, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you just dump everything and go Google Cardboard. Like, that gives you a VR experience, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, and I've actually used Google Cardboard and it's, yeah, for what it is, it's actually pretty good.
0: Yeah, I get to stand around and look at, like, tennis or sit on top of a tank or, like... Yeah, yeah. Street View. Street View, oh, yeah, that's it. I'm fine with that, done. All of those work fine. I, I don't know, like, at the moment, and I think, I saw a tweet from... Phil Spencer, uh, head of Xbox who said that they weren't really pushing for VR on Microsoft consoles until it got out of its gimmick stage
1: That's like, something I've been wondering as well just, yeah, like you see with PC and as well as with PS4 how they're spruiking the whole yeah, um, VR thing and it, yeah, it just got me wondering with yeah with Xbox how they don't have one and it's you know, inter- interesting to see or hear that um yeah, Phil Spencer has been saying that they they want to wait until um like there
0: you go i found it so it's like uh vr will come to project scorpio when it doesn't feel like demos and
1: experiments that's a really interesting thing to hear and Mm. given next year with that's the targeted um, release for the project scorpio like around this time next year yeah i i feel given that if, if vr does start to take off soon or if it is starting to become a bit more of a thing i reckon we could potentially see something out of you know out of E3 well like it's already a definite that we're going to have the project scorpio mm. and they they they're going to it's yeah i would probably say that with certainty that the project scorpio is going to be you know revealed fully at next year's E3 but i'm really keen to see if they are going to elaborate more on a vr headset for it or or See what like solo, holo right.
0: lens, you know, like they, they they demoed that last last year, they kind of yeah. kind of not necessarily revealed it, but like they, they let everyone know it was on stage and then this year it was non existent. Like there was nothing to do with the holo lens. Like they, they backpedaled a little bit on it, but I think with the ability of Project Scorpio coming out, they may step on the gas a little bit more.
1: The Project Scorpio is a fantastic hey, not sorry, the Project Scorpio, I mean the HoloLens. The HoloLens is a fantastic piece of kit. I mean just from what we've seen at E3 from people that I know who have had a go of using the headset, it, it's it is fairly advanced and especially like what we saw at E3 was even just seeing it demoed for playing Minecraft. I mean nearly everyone that was there at the conference, including us, like we were just blown away with yeah. you know, how how awesome it is. Like, that Um, looked
0: really cool, but the best part was... And this is the thing that I I have a problem with, the VI headset and the the games that we played on the VI headset at PAX, was that you with the HoloLens, you can still interact with the rest of your world. You can still see in front of you. You can still see the world around you. And it kind of uses, like, augmented reality type stuff where it puts stuff on tables and that for you.
1: Yeah, it's more... Not really, yeah, not really a virtual reality but it is more um, augmented reality and even mm. Microsoft have um, they have started to market it more towards the commercial um, customers as opposed to you know, your typical gaming uh, customers just uh, an example, they have started selling it more for like commercial applications, I think a unit is about $8,000 if I remember correctly it's it, it's Whoa. not cheap Yeah, yeah. I'm a HoloLens yeah, I'm pretty sure it's four or eight thousand. I know it was. It wasn't cheap, but the they are trying to promote it more for, like, yeah, for commercial customers. Take for example, like you know, medical or um, architecture. Some, all those, you know, like right? Lion, okay, yeah. so you could
0: do like certain simulator or something like that in the Hololens.
1: Pretty much, yeah.
0: Yeah, because like I don't know about you, because we we both tried a bunch of titles, within in the VR environments at PAX, and. I don't think I'd ever use it at home, just from the experiences. Like, they're all very um, unique experiences. Like, we played uh, Kept, which was pretty cool. Oh, I played Kept. And that had you moving around slowly and kind of uh, putting, like, uh, fireflies in jars and grabbing things. And you got to move around. But I could never do that in my house. I just don't have the room yeah but and you don't know like i've seen so many gifs and that of people like thinking there's a table there because that's what was in their world and then they lean over it and then it's like there's no table there in real life so they just fall flat on their face
1: yeah um with yeah with using vr at home especially with like what we played at pax it it does feel like a bit of a um more like a i guess a bit of an advertisement i mean you or should I say a bit more of a trick because Mm. you're in a convention, you're playing this in an open area and you feel that this is all so wonderful and well but yeah, when you get home it's not as it's not going to be as big as the floor that you were playing on you're in a much more confined area yeah you almost
0: have to dedicate a room to it like at times yeah. you have a three by three meter square that is dedicated to flail your arms around and you're not going to hit anything or knock over a vase or your mum's ashes or some shit <laughs> yeah
1: and on on top of that like how often are you going to use VR? Uh, Yeah, how how often
0: are you going to shut yourself off from the world entirely? You take away your, your, um, your sense of sight and your sense of hearing, most likely, because you put on, like, headphones, and you just shut off everything to play what? A driving game, I guess, like Project Cars?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean... It, like going from what we said before with the HDC vibe being at $1,400. Yeah. Like, are you really going to be spending that sort of money on something that realistically you might only play or use maybe a couple of times a week at most? I mean, it is a lot. I mean... Yeah, it looks- it's
0: something that you go over to your friend's house and you play, or you go to an expo and you play and you're like, this is awesome, this is really cool. Like, but I could never see myself buying one.
1: Exactly. And that's where I see that a lot of the VR arcades that are starting to pop up, I think this is where they're on a really, they've got a really good opportunity to get people to play VR games where it, like for those who are, you know, unable to afford, you know, the, the $1,400 plus dollars, whatever mm-hmm. Yeah, like, zero play.
0: latency is the, the greatest example of that that I've seen Like, you get to shoot zombies and stuff with a VR headset on and a laptop or whatever it is strapped to your back Like it's all encompassing so you don't trip over cables or anything and you've got your area. Like that I think is the best way, the best implementation
1: of it so far. I would love to have a go of that. I've seen photos of that, I've seen videos, I've talked to people who have played it and they've just said it is such a wonderful immersive experience. Yeah. But I feel that that is the way to go that, you know, that I feel that gaming arcades will make a resurgence in the form of VR yeah, like if they're willing to spend the
0: money and get the tech out there, like exactly. If people are willing to do it and pay the money for it, I think that'd be really, really good. Like, uh, I think I had some friends who wanted to buy a franchise in zero latency. Oh wow! They they were willing to do it because it is it is kind of like, um, you know, it expands out to like laser tag venues. Like now it's you know you could be in a mountainous zone running around or something like that, um, firing yeah. at each yeah. other and. You know all the different ideas but it ended up costing I, I think the entrance price for zero latency was about 300 grand
1: whoa that's that's a fair for, for like
0: yeah for like shares and like yeah. having all of their packages and their licensing and everything like that just for yeah. that it was it was that about that much
1: if that covers all the equipment though and if you've got a fair amount of equipment and mm. like you know like rental for a space or something like that it it does seem to work out no just having a quick think about
0: that yeah because at the moment it's all that that gimmicky kind of oh my god it's vr like i get to play vr and there's no wires and i don't need the pc i get to play for an hour and it might cost 50 bucks and then i'm done like i just go home after that
1: yeah the freedom of being able to run around in vr is very much a rarity like when we played a lot of the VR headsets at PAX, one thing I did notice is that, yeah, you do have a cable, you are hooked up to a computer, you can't run around. You had a handler, basically. Like, you had a handler who
0: moved you and then would loop the cable over you to make sure you didn't trip over yourself.
1: Exactly. You're still standing up in an area and you're trying to believe that you are moving around or in one game this is what i was playing um symphony of the orchestra mm-hmm. developed by stirfire studios brilliant vr game very simple premise so essentially um Wait, is that the one you this... grew the plant yes that's the one Symphony as we... a machine yeah you grow the plant yeah. by changing the weather of the um that's around you yeah and thing is you need to move around in a platform and to do that you need to, um, you just have to teleport yourself. You use your HTC Vive remotes. The game. Yeah, I should have said earlier. You I are love those remotes, H- though. They're so good. Oh, they're brilliant. They they interact so well with the game. Yeah. And yeah, you, you sort of like select where you, like you aim where you want to move to. You just push a button on the remote and it, you, it teleports you there. So it, you have to believe that you are moving through teleportation in despite the fact that you are standing still it does get why. around
0: it though like it does get around like not walking everywhere but it kind of breaks the immersion i guess somewhat. exactly exactly
1: yeah. yeah you have to keep reminding yourself i need to stand still or else i'm going to be you know moving out of my little three by three space Yep, that's it i guess it's all based on the design limitations like there were
0: some ones like i played primal carnage a pax And that... I mean, it's one of those ones where you just kind of stand there and you fight off a waves and waves of, like, dinosaurs. And that's all you did. Like, you just stood in a spot and you just spun. And that's it. You just spun, shot dinosaurs, cut up dinosaurs and all that. And it's like, it's cool, but I know I'm just kind of standing in a box. Like... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not really doing anything.
1: It's... Yeah, and that's sort of... yeah going back again like do you really want to be spending over a thousand for that sort of experience like i would rather i want to have full immersion i want to be able to run around i want to not feel like that there is a cable hanging out in the back of my head that's you know restricting me from you know movements and whatnot and it's great to see that a lot of you know hardware vendors are making computers that are essentially backpacks they're backpack pcs that are purely designed for vr
0: yeah the whole portability of it is the the best thing about it, like going to anything that's portable, like if you're going to lands, if you're going to friends' houses, you want something that's portable like you don't want to lug around a thirty kilogram rig that's got all of your best nice shiny bits in it exactly if you can take a laptop, obviously it costs more you know, but if you take a laptop that's got the full accessories with it, you spend a bit more a bit a bit extra, but you can lug it around and pack it up in five minutes
1: exactly yeah that's exactly right and yeah, when we were also at PAX, uh, I think Origin PC had a setup where you were running around. I can't remember if it was run- running around or not. They did have
0: quite a big space.
1: They did, and yeah. it was a shooting game of, like, a, a space sci-fi shooting game of sorts. I don't know what the name of is. is. I've asked people around what it is, and no one's been able to tell me what the name of this game is. If, as far as we're concerned, it's pre- pretty much a tech demo, if anything. Yeah, Origin
0: like, PC tech demo.
1: Something or other, yeah, but it's, it's a game where you can run around... And you just shoot whatever's... Yeah, you shoot your enemy or whatever monsters or whatnot are coming. Get a high and score. It, yeah, and it looked fantastic. I mean, the people who were playing it were... Yeah, they were, they were pretty much running around. They were getting fully involved with this game. And, and they were just getting fully immersed with nearly every aspect of the game possible. Yeah. I wish I had a go of it, but the lines were, I think... It was only, probably the most popular VR title there. Yeah, yeah. It was... It The queue was very long and ultimately, yeah, it just yeah we we spent our time you know doing other things and you know covering more of the the expo but yeah no it just just from what we saw it looked impressive
0: were they using the vive
1: yes they were they were like, okay i i think nearly everyone that nearly every booth i saw that had a vr setup was using the vive i think the only one the only place i didn't see a vive was at razor where they had the os the uh, osvr they, um, yep yeah
0: yeah um, it, i think i talked to one of the devs and i think they were actually provided with the vive console oh wow i'm not sure i think there was a hardware agreement somewhere but not confirmed or anything but i think one of them may 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 have said something in regards to that they were in sure. partnership with vive to to get them the hardware to play these types of games
1: well that's a brilliant initiative if that were the case i mean yeah yeah that covers a fair bit of cost for them
0: yeah well i mean like Packs Australia, especially for like the Indies and stuff. There were so many Indies there. Oh like, yeah! I dedicated. I've told. I've told many people this, but I dedicated about four hours, like half of Friday, to um to Indies, and I was like, "Yep, I'll get. I'll smash out the Indies, and then I'll, I'll be able to find out what I will love, what I don't love. You know, meet all the devs that I can, and yeah, four hours later, I got through a third. <laughs> like
1: yeah, there's just it's-
0: so many.
1: We really underestimated the sheer size of the PAX Rising section. We were hoping that we could get, like, the whole thing done in a day. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, but no. By the end of the 100... weekend,
0: I think I only still covered 80%. Yeah,
1: it's it's a big, big space to... Yeah, and it's so great for the, the attendees of PAX. They've got so much choice to see what sort of games are are being developed and a good portion of them uh, have been developed in Australia in fact in Melbourne one thing i love loved this year with all the um, banners that were being displayed at each indie game booth, mm-hmm. the ones that were developed in Melbourne had a banner over the top saying proudly made in Melbourne with um, with oh logos. that's awesome yeah yeah it looks so great it was something to be really proud of as yeah, well. yeah local it, scene
0: it, and everything like that
1: yeah, and it had um, the logos of the Victorian state government, like Creative Victoria, as well as the Melbourne International Games Week logo, how that was, it was being featured there as well. Mm. So it, it's just wonderful to see the state government getting behind, you know, such a you know, a growing, um, growing scene or a growing um, industry.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, it's so good that they had... Like, this is their expo to show off everything that they've created, you know, that's their dream to make a game. They're probably in their garage or something like that um you know whatever making coding out their game and 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 living poorly or whatever but they come to PAX and it's like oh my god the you know the children that or whatever the people that come up and actually are passionate about their game you can walk up you can talk to the guy that made the game and you can discuss like the good things the bad things how they made it what they went through while playing their game
1: Exactly, like, it's pretty much their hard work that's gone, that's, that's, that's on show, that's, yeah, everything they've worked on, they've finally got it at a point where they can show it to people and just say, hey, this is what I've been up to, hope you guys love it, and they get such good feedback from it as well, like...
0: They really do, but, like, there's no lines, like, you kind of just walk up and you're like, within five minutes, you're just like, yep, you're plan, done.
1: Yeah, exactly, like, it was fairly easy to walk up to a booth and they'll either, yeah, they'll just give you a controller or they'll hand you an iPad and away you go. You just, yeah, you just get involved in what they've made. And there were a few standout ones um, worth mentioning. Um, ones that come to mind, uh, uh, there was... Uh, Sortie. Yeah, Sortie's there. Sorty, yes, definitely. Oh Sortie yep, is Swordy. so much fun. Oh, we, we played this one last year and it is just still the same fantastic amazing game as well for this year. Uh, it's very much... A party, yeah, a party game. If you get a few friends around, with even couple that with some drinks, it's you, your your living room's gonna go off. It's gonna yeah. it's a it's a fantastic game. Works. Physics
0: physics based medieval combat, like yeah. uh, top down kind of things. And I, like I thought, I'm, I saw a lot of party games there, like four player battle arena type, you know, shoot 'em up games. Like there was Swordy, there was Hyperjam, there was. I have to I have to look at my phone and find it. It was like there was one where you all dressed up as underpants people, characters. All the characters were in um, underpants. Oh, that's awesome!
1: I don't it's remember like that Like brief one.
0: battles. That was the one. Oh, um, that's such an
1: awesome name. Brief battles. Yeah, it's <laughs> so
0: cool. And like you just go around and you you're hopping around killing each other. But it's just one of those cool party games where you can sit around with a couple of mates and just say, oh, we've got ten party games that we can play. Just play that one for like ten minutes. Play this one for ten minutes. And yeah, like being able to walk up to and play that with the people some randoms next to you and then you're kind of either friends or you're like giving snark to each other while you're blowing each other up and then you just walk off and it's like yep that was fun
1: brilliant oh that sounds like a fantastic game I, I wish I'd checked that one out yeah one other one that we did check out was uh, Death Squared. That was developed by SMG Studio. Um, oh, that, that one was fun too. That was fun. It's a good, challenging puzzle game that gets about. Yeah, I think. It was, yeah, we had four of us. There was four of us playing it, mm-hmm. all trying to work out how to yeah solve each puzzle. And yeah, like it's. I have not seen a game that's of that like same style before. So that's one worth keeping. Um, yeah, your eyes on. Um, I think that one is coming out to both i think it's already out on steam but i think it's coming out soon to xbox Xbox
0: arcade or whatever yeah, they, it's, yeah, uh, uh, ID ID it is. yeah id at yeah. xbox and that's and it, things like fun. that um yeah, but yeah Definitely. so many games like i went and took pictures of them i'll need to count all the pictures that i got of all the indie booths but I, I would say it'd be about 50
1: yeah yeah there was there were a really good lot one other one that's worth mentioning as well. Um, that was Wildfire um, by the team at uh, Sneaky Bastards, which is headed by Dan. Great Hines. name, <laughs> great, oh, fantastic name! Like it, it's so fitting as well for what they do. Mm. Um, yeah, that's headed by yeah Dan Hines, who is the former editor for Gamespot, former editor for PC Power Play magazine, um, and yeah, like the guy loves his yeah stealth games of course and what the team have is yeah a real you know fantastic game to play um so throughout the past year or so there have been alpha builds that they've put out just you know to give people an idea of what they're working on as well as just assisting with like bug fixes and that then for us it's this was the first time we've ever had the chance to play it and um yeah it was a really um fun enjoyable game um yeah, it's one of those ones where, you, like, you can choose to be all stealthy about it or you can just go in Rambo the, the entire place. Set and
0: the world on fire. Essentially, yeah. yeah.
1: So, yeah, fire is your tool and, yeah, you can... Yeah, you can just set the whole the whole map on fire pretty, pretty much and, yeah, make it from point A to point B sort of thing. Um, I, it, what I loved good fun, is, like, yeah. there was just
0: so much colour with all yeah. the games. Like, we went to... Like, uh, going, to, going back to EB Expo, and a lot of the AAA games, like, they, they just don't have the color spectrum of what the indies do. Like, I love being able to go up to a game, and I can already see there's, like, 12 different hyper-fluoro colors on the screen. Like, it just feels a lot happier than, than the yeah. AAA scene right now.
1: You find a lot of yeah AAA games where they they stick to the same like I guess color palette or they 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 stick to very similar colors to set a, like a particular mood. Like take for example with the first Watch Dogs, it was all you know, grey and that cause to give it more of like an underground feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, you look at indies and whatnot, they just go all out. They just they, they just take anything possible. Like they go for bright colors. They'll go for contrast just to make things stand out and make things insanely vibrant. Yeah. And that's one thing we did see. You know, with Wildfire. You know, but being. You know, a. You know, it's a fire-based stealth game. It, it was. You know, color vibrance. Ev- you know, everywhere. It's like orange and and red and was it purplish blue for like all the rocks and all that sort of stuff and the and the, the backdrop of the game. It's it's, yeah, very much a a standout.
0: Yeah. It was even cool to see, like, I don't know, like for me, I'd I'd love packs for the, the sole reason of like the community that's based around it. Like, y- you can sit. There's just so much to do there. Like, I really, I I don't wish that it's longer because holy crap, I was so tired by the end of it. But I kind of wish that I had an I had more time to just experience the expo. Like, I'd love to sit down and just like have an encounter in D and D with someone, or. Uh, like sit at a at a board game table and learn a new board game with just some random people.
1: Essentially, yeah, with with PAX, like there is so much to do that you sort of need to like set an agenda of what you want to focus on the most. Like mm. there, like you can check out the show floor, you can check out the PAX Rising, you can check out the free play, but it is yeah, like you said, it is almost impossible to take on every Everything. aspect of PAX. where like, yeah, you want to go in, do I want to go for a community approach and socialize with people in the the tabletop section or do I want to get, you know, check out all the indies and see what's going on in the, you know, in the upcoming... Uh, yeah, indie scene or do I just want to check out all the same marketing shit that's happening in the show floor? Um, yeah, and
0: like, I saw a lot, like, obviously the bigger games like Horizon Zero Dawn that hasn't come out yet, people were flocking to that and there was, you know, uh, people wanted to see like a few of the ex- latest Xbox games and a lot of people were in the queue for the, that Origin PC but really, like, the huge amount of focus was basically to everything else, like, huge lines for panels, we rock up half an hour early, Ooh, yeah. there's already a huge line, we rock up for... Constantly, I, I, I was trying to dedicate my Sunday to just kind of relax and chill out, maybe play a few PC games on a PC free play area. Always, always, always huge lines. Just so many people just want to sit down and play computer games with other people, like, in a LAN environment.
1: Yeah, and, like, it's great that that's their, you know, their view to PAX if they want to, yeah, you know, play in the LAN and with others, especially with those who have got the BYO um, computer. Yeah, people masks, bring their yeah. own PCs yeah, there to I, have giant I'm, lands. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. I think, um, personally, for me, I I couldn't do that. But it's nice to see that you know there are yeah there is like a social community aspect to it. But I mean, three days of yeah three days of packs. There, there's there are a lot of other better things to do. That's in my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you've got the panels. You've got yeah you've got the free play, show
0: floor and everything. And the panels but, yeah, were really good too. Like I, I enjoyed yeah. pretty much, I enjoyed every single panel I went to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The ones that we went to were fantastic, like top notch. Um, it was just, yeah, very much informative.
0: Yeah. And like, I think that's, it's such a good place for it to happen. Cause I mean, you can listen to podcasts you can listen to like this one here progressbar dot com Yeah, <laughs> on, on iTunes. Yeah, us. yeah. Very formative uh, discussion, but like you can listen to hours upon hours of podcasts and people shit talking to each other and things like that. But like being able to be physically in the room with with the people that you either look up to or the people that you read or watch, you know, it's just a completely different feeling, and it, it is really awesome for them to be able to do that.
1: Absolutely, and. Yeah, one of the, one of the uh, panels that we went to uh, had a good divide of people who are you know, involved with print media. We were involved with uh, Twitch as well as online media. Um, so we got to hear from a couple of the editors from Gamespot, um, the editor of, if if I remember, IGN. remember uh, yeah, yeah, editor for IGN. Yes, yeah. yes as well as the editor for, I think it was PC, the current editor for PC Powerplay, David Hollingworth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it was great to hear their, all their um, view, Oh, as well as the editor of Game Informer, um, Milner. Dave, yeah, David Milner. So it was good to see, you know, hearing you know, editors from print media um, you know, share their views with others from it was online media, as well as you know, the emerging platforms like um, yeah, Twitch and um, yeah, YouTube. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's
0: it's a unique situation where they have we're able to express those opinions, have a, a discussion amongst themselves. I guess that isn't limited to 140 characters like on Twitter.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, you've you've got an hour in a panel where you can hear so much being discussed. Like, you know, it's you're not going to hear it anywhere else.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. And like, it's just the whole combination that you don't really get that at I guess EB Expo. Like, it is kind of a unique situation that we have with, with packs. And I think it's, it's all the better for it. Like it's just, there's so much to do.
1: Exactly. And that's, that's the great, great thing that a consumer would want Just to have as much choice as possible. Doesn't, I don't think it matters so much as to whether they can cover the entire thing or not. It's more that, okay, here's everything we have, you know, choose your own path, choose your own, yeah, your own opportunities of what you want to do for the three days.
0: Yeah, that's it. Good good work Pax. I am I am excited to uh to come back next year and uh do it all over again.
1: Absolutely. I think every year we have just constantly been more impressed by mm. every Pax that we have been to. I good, there has not been a year we've had where we've felt okay. That's not as great as last year or anything. They they are always they are always doing something new or they're changing something which ultimately makes the experience better for the consumer or for the attendee.
0: That's it. Yeah. Now we have played a lot of games in the last week or so but there are like so many more coming out and have already come it out and things that I've missed
1: ridiculous like now, the, the list that's... yeah we we just we put up a, a bit of a list before we started the podcast the podcast just to get an idea of you know what is coming out or what has come out mm-hmm. so from the list that I've put together we've got let's see we've got Battlefield 1 Titanfall 2 Dishonored 2, Civilization 6, Watch Dogs 2, Final Fantasy 15, Skyrim Special Edition, COD Infinite Warfare, and Farming Simulator 2017, which I would like to add has more concurrent players at the moment than COD Infinite <laughs> Warfare. I <laughs> it's thought this so was good. <laughs> I thought that this was a crock of shit when yeah. I read this on the net, but sure enough, we actually looked up the stats, and yeah, Farming Simulator has three times the amount of concurrent players in its game than Infinite Warfare. Yeah,
0: so looking at Steam charts, we've got Playing an Hour Ago, Farming Simulator twenty uh, thirteen 2017 13,201 players Call of Duty Infinite Warfare 4,383 <laughs> Bravo Good work Farming Bravo. Simulator, you know how to hold an audience
1: I- Amazing Yeah, uh, You, you uh, keep being you Game of the Year 2016, call on it. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
0: But uh, I mean, I don't know. Infinite Warfare. I just people just didn't like it, or I think people are just there. Like the gimmicky kind of marketing proposal that they put through for uh, for Infinite Warfare. It's like you have to buy it so that you can play remastered COD Four. Like, that's the only thing I wanted to do in COD was play COD Four again.
1: Essentially, yeah, same here. Like whenever I heard about Infinite Warfare and how it was going to include Modern Warfare Remastered, the first thing I'm just going, I'm thinking of is yeah, Modern Warfare Remastered. That's what I want to be playing. Whatever Infinite Warfare, cool. Just, just, just go and sit in your own little corner. I'm going to play Modern Warfare Remastered. That's what I want.
0: That's it. And there's, but there's just so many games like Titanfall Two missed it. Like so many people have missed Titanfall Two because of Battlefield One. Had already been released, and Titanfall Two was just kind of like the little thing at the end that they're kind of like, oh yeah, we we have this too. But it improved so much on the previous game. There's a dedicated campaign; it's really really good, and no one's playing it because there's Battlefield One's out and Civ Six is out, and just why is there too many games?
1: It's it's sad to see because like even with Titanfall Two, I didn't really see much of like a lead-in launch hype to it. I mean, I. It was just very much, you know, next day, oh, hey, Titanfall 2 is out. I'm thinking, awesome, cool. Mm. Would have been nice to, you know, see a bit of, you know, pre-game hype to it, like Battlefield 1. Yep. Um, and, yeah, like, like you were saying with Titanfall 2, they have improved the game compared to the first one. with adding a lot of, you know, new functions like the single-player campaign. And these were all things that gamers said they wanted yep. from out of, you know, from the first time. Just some depth. It, and they gave exactly. it to
0: it in Titanfall 2, and then nobody played it.
1: Exactly. It is, it's, just, it's just sad. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't the best, in my view, it just wasn't the best to have launched Titanfall 2 so close to Battlefield 1. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, they, the, they... they
0: put so much hype on Battlefield 1. Like, like, for me personally, I haven't been this hyped for a Battlefield game since Battlefield 3 came out yeah Battlefield 4 I wasn't hyped for I was just like yeah I'll buy it because all my friends are buying it Battlefield Hardline I didn't pick up I was not interested at all because yeah, it was basically here. Battlefield 4 DLC yeah and then Battlefield 1 like yeah we're going back to World War 1 you get horses you get like old tanks you get biplanes I'm like guys we need to buy this game this is going to be awesome and it
1: is it's great it's wonderful yeah yeah I'm I'm just keen for Battlefield 1 because you know I've got a fairly new pc at the moment and i need something to really go you know,
0: give it a good kick in the ass that's pretty much it yeah like and there's so many options like across all different genres as well like I've, i finally finished my first game of civ 6 i don't oh, know i didn't know it was disgusting. possible yeah I've played hang on i've played 24 hours of civ 6 in the last two weeks or something like that 25 no, hours. that's and impressive yeah nice work finally finished my first game and I'm like yes i did it science victory Go me. Nice. Now time good to do, job. Like, good religion. job. But oh, they've improved so much with Civ Six. It's got Sean Bean as the as the narrator.
1: Oh, that's awesome. He
0: narrates everything except for like the uh, the like the heroes, I guess the, the iconic figures for each individual person. But yeah, every bit of dialogue Sean Bean narrates, and oh, it's liquid. It's I don't know, orgasmic <laughs> to so my good. ear, orgasmic.
1: So good to hear that he has a role that he doesn't die in. Yeah,
0: that's it. We were. I was wondering. I was like, oh, is he going to die? Like, is there going to be like a spaceship that goes off into space and like Sean Bean's riding it, and he just dies or
1: something? Or he just dies at the credits. That's it.
0: Yeah, like he just. It's just the beheading scene from uh, Game of Thrones.
1: <laughs>
0: and cut. But yeah, oh, I mean, so many, so many uh, improvements to, to Civ Six. Uh, reviews going coming out. Couple of days, hopefully. Now uh, that I finally finished a game and I, I can get all the ending credits and all my uh, thoughts in check, that should be fun. Uh, Dishonored 2's come out. I decided to uh, finish the first one first because I never actually finished it. Uh, the last time I played it was like 2012, I think, when it came out. Yeah, that's right. Wow, it has been four years since the last Dishonored, and I'm I'm so hyped to play the next one. So I'm I'm trying to like avoid all the spoilers that people put up in the net. I just want to go through as as a sneaky bastard, and uh, yeah. and uh, stick stink my way through, and and yeah, it's it's just I just want to get into it.
1: I love the idea with the first Dishonored how you can actually finish the game without killing anyone. That yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, like it
0: gives you options each time you kill uh you get a boss type enemy and you're like you can either stab him and accept like blood for blood revenge or you can steal his pouch out of the back of him sneak up to him steal it and run off to send a message to him and he'll leave and you're like yeah non-lethal i'll do that like just be an entire ghost like everyone's afraid of you and yet you don't exist
1: that, that's fantastic that's uh, that's really you know well designed gameplay there
0: yeah like the whole they have verticality They like you, know, you can scale buildings and stuff like I really hope that they've turned it up to 11 in Dishonored 2 so I, I'm really really excited for that yeah as long as it runs because apparently there's performance issues yeah uh, read- our writer Darcy put up some early impressions and uh, yeah he was only running an a, a R9 290 so it's not the best PC in the world but we'll have to We'll have to see how it goes.
1: Yeah, I have I have read that yeah there have been some performance issues and um, I can't imagine the game to be that much of a power hog for what it is. I mean, no. yeah, hey, I guess we'll have to see a bit more what, what happens there.
0: Yeah, like whether it's hardware issues, whether it's a bad PC port, I haven't really heard any complaints on consoles. So, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see. I'll, I'll throw my two 980s at it. And we'll we'll see how it goes. That's it. What about yourself? Like, what ha- have you been? Have you been checking anything, or is it just basically been recovering from packs?
1: Mostly just recovering from packs, and a little bit of forward planning with all this whole PS4 VR thing. Just trying to get an idea of like, if I want to get into VR, what like, how much is this going to cost me? Or if I want to get a PS4 Pro and um, yeah really get a nice 4k hdr setup. how much is it and i've just sort of been just trying to work out you know can this be feasibly done on top of that um i do have battlefield one i'm um i'm looking at the game case for it right now i have it installed on my pc i want to play it i just i have been just struggling to find the time just you know with packs and that but i intend to play it after this podcast so good yay yeah
0: <laughs> finally get into some games yeah, yeah, I well, yeah. I don't know, I don't know about you, but like I played games all weekend at PAX, and then I came home and I'm like, huh, ah, I get to sit down at my computer and play games, thank god.
1: <laughs>
0: I just wanted to relax, like put my headphones on. There's no screaming from the Logitech booth, like, yeah, yes. get fucking hype. I'm like, no, I just want to sit down and calmly play Dishonored.
1: Make some noise. No, piss no, off. No, no. <laughs> That's it.
0: One, one quick game that I uh, have played, which I guess is a unique experience. Um, if anyone's familiar with uh, Jackbox Collection, the Jackbox Party Packs, um, where you use your phone as the controller, so it's like a quiz-based game, and you use your con- controller so you can hide your answers from your friends. Ooh. Um, it's a good party game. We use We have drinks and stuff while we're playing it. Um, but yeah, there's a different type of game that is a unique style where they actually it's an RPG.
1: So Ooh, think, wow.
0: think um, like turn-based. Uh, I guess Diablo, or if you if anyone's played uh, Divinity: Original Sin, it's kind of like that where you move your character around the world with your phone. So your character sheet, your abilities, your upgrades, everything is on your phone, and you control a player that's on the uh, on the TV and in like an isometrics type style.
1: That sounds really cool yeah so
0: the game is uh i don't know i'm eon altar e-o-n-a-l-t-a-r yeah and uh yeah it's it's a phone-based uh couch co-op rpg so i've been playing a few hours of that at land with some friends just the other day and yeah it was really fun like your you voice your own character so it gives you your dialogue and it will tell you i am moran battle mage of celestia and this is my quest and all of this other stuff your character has hidden agendas that you can either reveal or you can hide you've got abilities that you use to either heal or damage in in the turn-based turn-based combat phase really really fun so that's
1: really cool the
0: only thing is you have to be in the room with everybody to play it so you kind of need to set aside like a day or like a few hours to kind of just sit and play it and hope your foam datry doesn't die
1: yeah, but oh, uh, so much uh, fun! It's good to hear that there are some you know, really decent quality, you know, party games that are coming out.
0: Yeah, like the whole couch co-op thing. Like uh, personally, I thought it was dead. Like I, I play a few games in couch uh, kind of play. Like I play Jackbox Party Pack. I play like Nidhog, Move or Die. All, all these kind of games that you just kind of kill each other. But like this is one when we like cooperative with all of your teammates, and you're you're spending time not in, like, five, ten minute stints, but, like, you're playing for hours, like, running around an RPG world together.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible what they've got.
0: Yeah, like, I, I don't want to play more of it, I just have to organise more events and things like that.
1: More parties!
0: Yeah, <laughs> more parties, more drinks, yeah! Clink yeah. Uh, yeah. your mugs not,
1: together. Because it's not like we just came back from a weekend full of parties. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, and
0: drinking, my
1: liver is still recovering. Oh... Uh. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, that's pretty much all the time that we had for on the Progress Bar podcast for this week. Uh, We're going to go back and and recover before our our next week's podcast, hopefully. Uh, Visit our website at progressbar.com.au. You can contact us if you want, Twitter, all that stuff, but we also have a contact form, uh, progressbar.com.au slash contact. Uh, If listeners want to talk to you, Brendan, where can they reach you and find you?
1: Yeah, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Sushi underscore Brobo. Cool. And uh, for me, it's at Koshi
0: Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll have a chat to you next time. Hopefully next week. Bye. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Bye. 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 So good to talk about games and stuff without me having to type anything and like reread it and then type it again and then reread it and then type it again and then yeah. hate, hate life, drink alcohol, hit post.
1: <laughs> yeah, done.
0: Yeah, hit publish.